I think where the whole recovery space and businesses that focus specifically on recovery, I think where they've gotten it wrong is they're focusing on recovery for athletes. Yeah. Right. The products they're using, right? They're, I mean, we're talking about mainly hormetic stresses, right? So they've got ice bars, they've got saunas, you know, and then they've got Normatec boots. If you reframed that and instead positioned it as these are products which have been shown in numerous scientific articles to actually help your physiology improve, yeah. to actually help people live healthier and yeah. longer. And it's not about recovery. Yeah. It's about optimization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, then all of a sudden, we're not just aiming at the people who want to recover better from their F45 workout. Yeah, correct. We're aiming at the majority of the population of people interested in health. Yeah who want to be healthy. Which is also energy, a fucking you know? way bigger market. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And right now, you know. Like, That's right. Yeah. I remember years ago we did a, there was a CrossFit event in Wollongong. And. How long ago was that? Was that regionals? Might have been. Yeah. Like would have been a big one. Yeah. 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 yeah it regionals. was like 2017 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been regionals. Yeah. Yeah. It was regionals. Yeah. 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 It was around the time when, I think it was just before Tia won her first games yeah. before or after anyway it was around the time when recovery was like starting to be a big thing talked about in crossfit you know what i mean everyone's like yeah. oh that's the next thing that every athlete needs to do yeah but now it's kind of like yeah well of course you do that yeah you know what i mean and so i think it kind of had a short lifespan that whole recovery thing crossfit's a it's an amazing little niche and if you're inside of that thing dude talk about optimization them yeah. guys they'll do anything for a fucking 0.5 of a percent when you look at it as opposed to like a normal gym or an F45, it's a completely different product. Yeah. And the effort that they go to for recovery is like even mobility and stretching and brands, like it's, it's cool. That would have been a vibe down there. It was. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was actually my first proper CrossFit experience, yeah. if you will. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, man. Yeah. And I think too, like um, CrossFit – like I think it's a really, really cool way to train. You get really good results. I think the biggest thing that let CrossFit down, even though they did scale like quite large, it was just like the lack of consistency throughout the brand, you know, like that licensing rather than a franchise. Like mm. when you look at companies at the moment, like Fitstop, for example, which is coming down from, you know, Queensland, um, Peter Hull, I think they're doing a great job. To me, that looks like a, it's a commercialized CrossFit gym, you know, and I think brands like that, over time will do good because it looks pretty like the benchmark workouts, which is like a big part of CrossFit and it's commercialized. Where did this whole industry come from? Is it the US? I feel like it might be the US. I don't know. Like like just this whole concept of like 40 to 60 minute classes, yeah. intensity, functional movement kind of thing. I don't know, but I know where it come from. from I remember when I first found CrossFit, I was like, I played rugby league for like most of my a young age to like 17. And- I remember when I found CrossFit, I was looking for something that would like scratch that itch because I like I really like competing, but I'd spent, you know, five years, six years like partying and not doing anything. And <laughs> right. I was like, I need to do something, right? So I was like, when I found CrossFit, I was like, oh, cool. This is a thing that I can like compete against other people and get fit. Like, I think I might do this thing. And then this is in like 2011. So it was like at the very start of CrossFit in Australia, like training in the like the old model, which would like Alex would affiliate and you'd start a CrossFit gym in your shed. Yep. And then you'd get 30 members and then you'd get a lease, which would be very small. And then you'd grow it to 70. Then you'd go to the next 
play. Like that was the model here. Yeah, okay. I didn't know that. That's yeah. an interesting model. And yeah. like I was traveling from here to Maitland, which is 30 minutes away, to go and train five times. Like I fucking yeah. loved it, dude. Yeah. Loved it. And we'd yeah. go all them little CrossFit competitions of the weekend and yeah. like it was fun. It was a, a it was a massive vibe. But I think off the back of, you know, people not competing in sports, you could compete in exercise or mm. in fitness mm. every week. But without well, I was going to say without the injuries, there, there's injuries in it. But I, I think I think it gets a bad rap. I think there's injuries in anything that yeah. you're going pretty hard at. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that, man. Like, you want to go mountain biking, you're going to injure yourself. Correct. Which again, which is <laughs> if funny you're going enough, for it. Like the dude, Ricky Gerard, who's like the top yeah. dude in Australia, just fucking hurt himself mountain bike riding, Did he? and now he's out of the CrossFit Games this year. There you go. Yeah, like if he had hurt that fucking snatching 130 kilos, then it would be fucking CrossFit horrendous. Look at this guy. Actually, uh, a Formula One driver. Um, Lance uh, Stroll broke his wrist or, or a couple of fingers or something just before the first race of the season. Also mountain biking. Really? Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Where's everyone shitting on mountain biking? <laughs> Crazy. I listened to that uh, podcast with Tia. She's an absolute star. Oh, man. Absolute star. Yeah. Dude, I couldn't believe it. Honestly, after that, I just hit record, said goodbye. And then I was like, she is legit going to have a baby and then yeah. just like start competing again. You know, it's actually funny you mentioned that because I've been thinking, I thought of it. When she was talking and when she's doing that, like when you guys were having that conversation, yeah. and I just randomly have thought of it since then, right? And I was thinking yeah. about it again today and it's like, I know for sure some of the things that she said would have triggered people, right? Mm. Especially mums. They're like, mm. oh, this chick doesn't know what she's in for. Yeah. Being a mother is so hard and like, you're not going to be able to do that. And when the baby comes, you know, you're not going to care about yourself. In my head, I'm like, this is the baddest woman in the world. Yeah. You know, like she's a tip of the spear. So it's like, it would be normal for average people to think that she's not going to be able to handle this. But I think she smokes it and I think she comes back and wins the games again. Like I think Kara Webb's a really cool example of that, right? Someone that's done it prior who was a stud without a kid and he's still a star with a kid. Yeah, it was really cool because like T is talking very confidently and is like, hey, this and that. And uh, like, I don't know, for me, man, I was, I was super jazzed when I heard her say, look, I'm moving here with, I'm going to have this kid looked after here. I'm going to go train here and this is what's going to happen. And I'm certain she figures it out. She's a tip of the spear. Yeah, I think she will, yeah. And, and it's just a reminder of like you could hear her focus. Like that. that's what's going to happen Correct. in her mind, Yeah, you know, one way or another. Yeah. You know. And, and I think you need that, right, to be at her level for as long as she has been now. Like that's the only way you talk. Yeah. The only way. And I think too, it's like even for me, for example, right, it's like as a father of four kids and a husband, like people say that like when you have kids, like they're your priority and the most important things in the world are your children, et cetera, et cetera. It's like whilst there's truth to it, I don't think that kids just trump everything now, like when you have kids. And I, I actually think that like even for me, right, like whilst I have four kids, my kids aren't the most important thing in my life, you know. My wife is not more important than me. My kids aren't more important than me, okay. And that triggers people because they're like, oh, fuck, you're so selfish. But it's like, well, if I have like large goals and expectations of myself and what I'm going to achieve, which ultimately help my family, I need to be selfish and put myself forward at times because if I don't do that, then ultimately I'm letting these guys down because I'm not living to my fullest. And what sort of example are you saying to your kids if you're not doing that? Correct. That's right, dude. 100%. And again, I think the way that I look at this, right, is like there's windows of time throughout the day where each different family member will pull rank and have priority. Mm. So it's like for me, like I do a lot of things 
um, and try to fit a lot in the day. So if I train early in the morning, that's my window of time. Nothing will interrupt that, non-negotiable. That's where I play. And then, you know, there's another window. So from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., then my children now have priority because now we're going to get ready for school. We're going to have, I'm going to cook a warm breakfast. We're going to sit down as a family, eat a warm breakfast. And then they get dropped off. Then it goes back to me as a priority. But that's in my world. My wife goes and does my wife's things and she's got priority in her life. And then, you know, for that working time, bang, I'm now, I need to make money and grow my companies. And then, you know, we all share priorities. No one is more important all the ways, but I think parents don't put themselves enough. Like I don't, I think they have kids and they submit to, you know, uh, my kids are the most important thing. And like, I will just fucking ruin all my goals and expectations to put my kids first. When I don't think that's the healthiest or, you know, a way for longevity. It becomes people's purpose. Their purpose is to be a parent. Yeah. And then one day their kid's going to turn 14 and they're going to say, fuck you, mom. Yeah. Fuck you, dad. And it's going to be like, well, what am am I doing with my life now that I can't spend all my time with my kid, you know, because I've just given up everything for this. Correct it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it took me a little bit to sort of figure out, but you're totally right as well. It's like these kids are watching like so closely. They watch, they observe so much, way more than anyone can anticipate, right? And if we're not pushing the limits, but again, if you're not ambitious and you don't really, and you're not striving for anything, it's all good. Like go do you, it's all good. But yeah, I don't think that we should uh, not meet our goals or strive to be the best version of ourselves because we have kids. I think they fit in. Kids fit into us. We don't fit into kids. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree, man. You know, you just met my four month old yes. just before. And man, in the first few, well, up until this point, I really felt this, it was like this, um, this challenge in my mind because I was like, hold on aren't I supposed to be like absolutely prioritizing soul every minute of the day? Like, isn't yeah. that what a dad does? Yeah. And yet I felt like that was the wrong thing to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, like, I can't just give up my life right Correct. now. You know what I mean? Like I've got shit to do. Correct. Cool stuff to do. do you yeah. Because yeah. that's what keeps my soul on fire, you know? Absolutely. Like here we go. Yeah. Um, and that's what helps that you be the best dad. Yeah. Right? Like they're the things that make you be a better parent you know, doing all them things because all your values and all your traits are the reason he exists, right? Because you went down this path and you met your partner and she was going down a similar path and then, you know, you're like, hey, what's happened? Then all of a sudden you have a relationship and then you have him from the value. So it doesn't make any sense at all that you would then change because even again, right, like your marriage and relationship, by rights is more important. It's important that you guys stay united for your son. He doesn't prioritize or pull rank on your marriage mm, totally. or, or your partnership. Yeah. I think about it as like, what's the order of people that you um, like kiss when you get home? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it has to be Kristen first for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I actually like that. It's cool. Yeah. Because it kind of says something, Yeah, you know, and yeah. I caught myself a couple of times coming home and just going straight to Seoul. Yeah. And I'm like, no, Yeah. no, because this is, as you said, this yeah. is what made, soul you know yeah correct we've got to keep this going and keep this strong and powerful and alive you know like there's so many like there's a lot of challenges right and raising children and but you're totally right dude and kids are smart too like they'll pick up it's like oh dad comes to me first i can do whatever yeah and dad's going to just comply with what i want yeah as opposed to like oh hey he goes to mum first like they have some sort of unity that i don't understand these guys are together they're one yeah i think it's awesome dude and it's really cool that you're conscious of that as well yeah yeah well i can't remember who i was reading the other day i think it was Gabor Mate, maybe. I've been reading him a lot. 
Anyway, yeah, it was that exact thing. He was like, you need to show intimacy in front of your children. Yeah. Like don't hide intimacy with your partner in front of your children. Yeah. Because to your point, it's like they need to see there's something there. I don't quite get it. I don't yeah. know what's going on, but yeah. that's obviously really important. Yeah. Probably more so than I am, you know. And, and I think too, it's like, so I, I've got a nine-year-old daughter and then three sons, seven, four, and two. And it's really unique. I, I had this thought and idea the other day. It's like as a parent and a husband, because like a lot of people or a lot of men or a lot of fathers will think that like they need to be the best version of themselves as a man to show, you know, their sons how to be a man, et cetera. So I got, that's all well and good. But like you also have a massive responsibility to your daughter to show her who she accepts as a man or as a male figure or a role model in a family. Because if you don't do that, and again, a lot of that's through action to your wife, right? Like how does, does dad yell at mum? Does dad talk down at mum? Does dad interact, embrace mum? Because they're all the things that it's in the environment that she's growing up in that forges and forms the lifestyle that she thinks is the expectation of, of her partner in the future. I think that's probably overlooked a little bit too much when people, I mean, I've heard fathers say that they only want sons and it's like, I don't, it's like, it's fucking retarded. What are you talking about? Like having a daughter is amazing. Just like having a son is amazing. Like they're amazing for different reasons. But I think the father figure or that, like, what your daughter or, or children, one day they're going to forge their environment off what they expect in a partner. Mm, mm. I mean, just, it's just all so important. Like daughter, son, whatever. Like you just got to be there and you show up. Yeah. Like don't fuck about. Yeah. Because <laughs> a small dude, it's a very, very small window of time. Yeah. You know, like you got like, again, the windows are different for each sex. So the windows are different for girls. And I feel like yeah, okay, my window that. for my daughter is like, I've got 12 years with her. Then she might like not want to hang out with me as much for five or seven years. And then, you know, she comes back to me. But like, I feel like I've got a bit more window with the boys. But then windows, are clo- it's like a portal. This is how I look at it, right? It's a portal and it's closing every day. And the thing that I sort of reflect on a lot is, it's like today, right? Today's Thursday. And like, if all goes good, like we'll have another Thursday next week. The odds are that we're going to be able to experience another Thursday, which is cool. But this Thursday, this current one is fucking gone forever, ever. Like we do not ever get another go at this one. We just get the next one, hopefully. And I think that if you're not careful and you're not present enough to identify that these days are disappearing forever, then time will just slip by. How does that change how you approach the day? I think for me, it's about, it's like a sponge, man. I just want to, I want to like lay my head down and like know that there's no water in that sponge. Mm. And for sure, like I, I, there's days that I don't, that's like there's still a heap of water in it, mm. you know. <laughs> but I think um, them days are important as well because it, it makes you more accountable for the next day. It's like, hey, like I know where I slipped up because I, I would meditate, right? So I would meditate on my actions of the previous day. So say for, again, I'm talking about kids because it's a part of it. Like, you know how, Sometimes when you meditate like, or a meditation coach might tell you to sort of go through your body, start with your head and go, I meditate on my previous day, but I go through my wife and my children. So I'll meditate on my wife and I'll, I'll go, right, I'll like, where could have I improved? What interaction could have I done better? She wanted to talk to me about this. I told her I was busy. I said that we'll talk about it later and we didn't. You know, she might be upset about that. So today you know, I want to try to be a bit more present and aware when she's trying to talk to me. And then I go to my daughter. She's like, oh, like oh, I just got home from work. She wanted me to read this book and she was stuck on this homework. And I told her that I'd have a look at it in a minute and I didn't. And like, you saw, I'll highlight all these opportunities of that as a, I could grow from and then try to apply them 
you know, on the next days moving forward. So I think it's um, it's just about, man, I'd rather err on the side of more and then and then yeah, come back if I need to. Mm. But mm. yeah, I don't want to do, it's a tricky one, but I, I think err on the side of more and if you've got to ring it back, you've got to ring it back. Yeah. But I think too, it's like having a family or a partner that understands your values because again, sometimes the business is important, right? To maintain all the things that we have in life and all the things that we have access to. So sometimes when I get a phone call at eight o'clock at night, it might mean that I need to answer it. And again, like whether that's bad or good, it just, you know, things happen, right? We've got to do things. And yeah, I think having that partner that understands that is hugely important. I think it's like, it's boundaries, you know, and then having a partner that understands those as well for yeah. yourself. And to be honest, I'm not great at it, dude. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I, I, I'm still learning and I'm still trying, but I, I definitely don't have that. Like I, I want to work like a lot. Yeah. And I, I think it's hard sometimes because it goes against like the normal, like the normal values or, or what maybe my wife grew up in, you know, the environment that she it was similar to like what I was talking about with my daughter, my wife's environment when she was a little girl her father didn't work like I work. So it's a little bit odd. Mm. Um, totally, man. I'm the same. Like I really enjoy working. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just want to keep doing it and keep growing and expanding and yeah. figuring stuff out. Yeah. Solving whatever problems are going on and, yeah. and creating stuff. Yeah. You know, we just launched our ice bath like pre-sale a couple of days ago. Huge. I thought about it that night. I thought that didn't exist. Yeah. 12 months ago. Like it came it from, a thing. we created it from nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. now it's this real product that you can sit in and yeah. freeze your ass off it. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. That kind of stuff, I froth that. And the thing is as well, dude, I'm exactly the same. And it's like, so that ice bath, like what, it was action. It was an idea followed with action in intent and purpose. Because you could have, there's a million people that have thought about manufacturing ice baths that have never done it and never will do it because they will never act on it. So it's like intent followed by action, you know, or you could put effort in there as well, right? But it's like I love that that's how you look at it because that's how I look at it as well, even conversations. Like I look at conversations like that. And even how we met is like I look at the universe put us both there for us to be able to have a conversation that night and then have an impact on each other to then have another conversation that we're having right now. Whatever reason why, and it's the universe. Still, there's something further down the road. Maybe we do something with the ice bars and we roll them out to two thousand studios across the world. Like, who knows what happens? But it's like creating conversations, creating products, creating mindset, creating ideas, and creating a vision for our family. That's fuck. It's exciting. That's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what part of the reason we resonated so yeah. so much because yeah, just see things very similarly in that. And the other thing as well, like while I'm. So I don't forget it. The other thing that I really loved about our interaction that night was, well, and for anyone that doesn't know, is like we I met Alex um, last year on the Gold Coast at a 2022 Young Entrepreneur of the Year where we were both nominated, which is pretty cool. But that was like, it was I think it was like eight o'clock at night and you and I were both like, let's get the fuck out of here. Like I want to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and it, like everyone around us was like mostly drunk, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone was drunk. And yeah. like these are all business, young business leaders in Australia. And again, like I think people can drink, like go drink if you want to drink. But that's like, it used to be a part of my life. It's not a part of my life anymore. And it's really cool when like I have a conversation or meet someone like you that share similar values. And it's like, yeah, we don't want to sit here and party with these guys and and just get drunk. It's like, I'd soon rather have a meaningful conversation than get up early the next morning and yeah. yeah, do something else. Go and actually have some deep sleep yeah, that night. Yeah, go for a run or go for yeah. a swim in the ocean. Like, totally. 
Um, so it's really cool when when I come across people like you in environments like that. Yeah, totally, man. And and the other point to add for everyone is we started chatting and uh, we we're talking about your watch. Yeah, I was asking you about your watch, and then we kind of mentioned running, and you were just like sitting over there, just like super humble, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I do a little, do a little bit of running or whatever. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool. I've done some running too. I've done a couple of half marathons and whatever. Um, and then you're like, oh yeah, yeah. I was like, how, like how far do you run? Like what are your stats? You know? And you're like, oh yeah, like yeah, like half marathon each morning. And I was just like, what? And because the music was really loud, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? And you're like, yeah, half marathon every morning. I was like, I was like, well, what do you mean? Anyway, yeah. When that was, I think I was like on a day on day like 170 of consecutive half marathons. Like I'd ran about 170 and I went on to run. Well, how that even started, right, was that I wanted to try to do something like undesirable and something that I thought would be like meaningful. And it was like, I thought if I could run seven half marathons consecutive, that would be meaningful. I was like, that would be pretty cool. I'm not sure if I can do it. Mm. And then I'd done it. Um, how far I, had you been running? So before that, I'd done like, um, like a couple of times a week, I'd do like 10Ks or okay. you know, maybe a 12K, but okay. I'd never ran. I'd never ran a half marathon. The longest I'd ran before that was one seventeen, okay. like like one effort of seventeen kilometers. Yeah. So like I wouldn't consider myself as a runner. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I'd done the seven. I was like, I, I feel pretty good, right? Uh, and then I was like, I wonder if I can go to twenty one, like 21, 21 kilometers. It made yeah. sense, right? Yeah. yeah. And then I'd done that. I'm like, that was cool. Like this is really fun. And what happened, right? That I didn't anticipate at all is that I started having. Um, like a lot of confidence in like my days started to improve. Mm. And I was like, I'm starting this morning in this really undesirable effort for two hours, like running along the side of the road, right? It's boring. And I'd run out of town and in town. Like there was nothing exciting about the run. I wanted to try to make it. Not a circuit or anything. No, not a circuit, out and in. And what I started to identify is that when I started my day like that, I would start in full control. Like I was like, I'm in full control right now. Whatever happens hereafter, like I was, I would be finished before six o'clock, got to get kids up ready for school, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like I'm starting in full control and then everyone, like, everything was compounding, dude. It was like all these amazing things in my life are happening off the back of me doing this crazy thing. And then it went to 20, 30, 40, 50 and then I'm like, fuck, I wonder if I can get to 100. And then I got to 100 and then I was like, well, I have no really no intention to stop. Like, I was kind of like, I felt like I was on a speeding car then. I didn't know how to jump off. I'm like, uh, yeah, I was like, let's just keep going. Uh, again, because all my, my life was improving. I was making more money. I was getting more clients. It was like this really weird thing, but it was like the universe was identifying that I'm putting myself in a position of growth, doing this undesirable thing, doing something that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't choose to do. And I was yielding from it, right? I was getting all these positive things back. And then... Yeah, I met you. It was 170 up there, like still running. Like, and up, I actually done a half marathon on the beach on the goal. It was like magical, dude. Yeah, it's a good spot. Magical. And um, anyway, long story short, I ended up getting a stress fracture in my leg. I ran 202 days. I ran seven of them with a stress fracture. Um, but for me, it was like after 50 days, it was no, no, had nothing to do with running. It was purely to do with mindset, right? I just, I, I knew that this was the vehicle. The vehicle was running for me, for me to obtain a mindset that again this sounds like egotistic but it's like i could step into any room and know that like i would do more than them or i already have done more than them and it just gave me like a level of confidence that i could you know project positivity to my team be a really good leader be a very um, present husband and, and father 
And again, too, like we were talking about before with kids, it's like it's pretty cool that I can change the perception of my children when, you know, they wake up above the morning and their dad's ran a half marathon. Yeah. Like they kind of think that that's normal yeah. and that, that jazzed me up. But, yeah, I got a stress fracture in my leg. Um, I, I, on day 202, I had to stop because I couldn't walk and I was still fucking doing these runs. <laughs> like I was like a hobble. It was bad. This episode is brought to you by Found Space. Australia and New Zealand's premium infrared sauna company. Ready to sauna? Ready to take your health to a higher level? Make your home a place of wellness with Found Space. Visit foundspace.com.au or foundspace.co.nz to learn more. What was the recovery? There's that word again, but like, what were you doing outside of running a half marathon every yeah, day like, to actually continue going? No, nothing. nothing. Yeah, nothing. So, well, um, towards the end of it, I started saunering across the road, but yeah. it was like too little too late, right? Um, yeah. My recovery, like it was compounding like little niggers. I'd run through little niggers and come good again. So I yeah. thought that that's what I was going to do with his leg. I thought I'll just, I'll push through this and yeah. it's going to be okay. And it just never happened. It just got gradually worse and worse and worse and worse. But what did help me, so on day 202, I had to stop running, but I was like, I was afraid to lose that or that mental growth, yep. you know? And I was like, because I felt like I was growing so much from doing this. And then in my head, I'm like, does that mean when I stop, I'm going to, it's going to start to unravel. That's what I was worried about. I was generally scared of it. So then I have an indoor rower, like a concept two indoor row at my house. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to start rowing half marathons because I could row without any pain at all. Cause uh-huh. it was only the impact that uh-huh. I was hurting from. So then I went and um, I rowed 56 half marathons after that. <laughs> and then, and, and you know what? Like that was my rehab for my leg. Yeah. So like now, like I only stopped that cause I bought a road bike and started cycling. Okay. Um, but that finished a couple of weeks ago. But like my leg is now completely pain-free uh, and it was all off the back of like, well, it was off the back of not running, but like the rowing helped it dramatically. And I learned something massive out of that, man. It was that through like, at times of like, if I had stopped then and like rested, no one would have like said like, oh, you're a fucking pussy. Like, yeah. But I feel like I could have stopped. And by me pivoting to the rower and continuing – it was like even when things are bad, when you can't do what you set out to do, there is always like some mm. other avenue, right? So mm. for me, I couldn't do A, so then I went and done B. And I, I still done a half a marathon. Like mm. arguably, it's a fucking darker place to be. I was going to say that's less exciting. Well, like you're sitting in a in a shed in the yeah. dark, like for yeah. an hour and a half. Like it's yeah. not a very desirable environment. Yeah. But the mental growth that you get from doing these things, dude, is it's hard to imagine. Yeah. Man. So so it's very very positive for me. So did you have any days between running and rowing? None. It was just like next all right, I'm rowing. Yeah, so on day two oh three, I rowed half marathon. How did you know you weren't gonna run again? Um I couldn't physically. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the last two days, I when I got to two hundred, that was like a, it's just another imaginal milestone, right? I yeah. got there and then I was like, oh, let's just go two more it's purely it's ego more than anything else. I just didn't want to stop. Yeah. But I was like a wounded dog walking up the road and <laughs> so on day 202 I spent a day at the tattooist the, the whole day and I was sitting on a chair all day and I got up from that and being immobile the whole yep. day it, it ruined me yep. um, and that was me playing games in my head thinking I was going to have to stop anyway uh-huh. so it was weird because I rang my brother I said dude this is where I'm at like what do you think like yep. I just want to talk to you about it I'm thinking about not running tomorrow um, he's <laughs> like man just what are you you're making it to like it's, don't even make it a thing. Yeah. It's not a thing. Stop yeah. making it a thing. But it was a thing in my head, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, when I had the idea to go to the rower, 
It's like fucking game on. This is the best. Yeah. And that's still a map, like, it's just an incredible tool. It's my favorite tool, the rower. It's a very dark place to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, very high, high yielding machine. No music, nothing. So that's a good question. Um, I reintroduced music two months ago. Okay. So for, I remember we spoke about, so all last year, I stopped listening to music, books, podcasts while I was rowing or running. And the reason I'd done that was because um, one morning I got up, like I'd lay all my stuff out in the bathroom the, the night before because I'm going at 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So I'd lay all my stuff out, creep through the house, don't want to wake the kids up. And then I'd put my beats in and they were dead. I'm like, well, this is fucked. I'm not going to fucking write. Like that's when I listen to books or I listen to podcasts. I was like, well, this, that's a fucking waste of time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to bed. And then I caught myself. I'm like, hey, like you never started to do this because you wanted to entertain yourself mm. for two hours. You mm. wanted to do this because, you know, you said that, you wanted to do things that were undesirable and things that other people wouldn't choose to do. So I was like, I looked at that like an opportunity to be able to do exactly that and then run with no, you know, motive. it's fun running with music, right? It's fun. Your favorite song comes on. It's totally. fucking easy to get jazzed up. Yeah. Or like you listen to a really good book and like you can get lost in the movement of running in the flow state. And you're like, oh, wow, I'm here already. So I stopped doing that. And what I realized when, when I stopped consuming, I was like, wow, I'm sitting with my thoughts and feelings. I was like, I'm processing all these ideas that I would not have thought about if I had music on because my mind wouldn't have went there. And then what I realized was that I'm processing problems. I'm working through different opportunities, different ideas. And I was like, wow, by not consuming exterior content, I'm now allowing myself to process my interior content. And I was like, this is so valuable. And again, some of the things I'm working through, um, it's like head noise, right? People look at it as like, oh, it's head noise, like it's a bad thing. But I think head noise is a really positive thing because even some of them things that you don't want to think about and you don't want to process, when you're running for two hours, it's impossible not to, right? Um, so like by working through some of them things in that run, I would finish that run, dude, and just feel even more on top of the world. So I ran with no, no noise all last year, no, no books, no podcasts, no music. And then I had to think about it at the start of the year. And I was like, I think whilst that's amazing, there's definitely an opportunity for that. I, I felt like I wanted to reintroduce it because there is still an opportunity for education and there is still an opportunity for, for some exterior content, just so long as it's balanced with your own thoughts and feelings. So I think there is so many distractions in life that not enough people, yeah, sit with their own thoughts, mm. their own ideas. Mm. So I think it's, tr it's trying to find, you know, the right balance between, you know, nothing and something. So running is such an amazing space for yeah. exactly that. It's incredible. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's just, you have these moments of elation and yeah. like, I've just solved that really yeah. difficult thing I've been thinking about for weeks, you know, yeah. especially in that flow state. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden something will just come through. Yeah. You know, it's almost like, by exercising in that way, you're kind of like clearing your channel for something to come through and drop in. You know? It's so interesting because like I try to understand why that is and probably one thing that's even more interesting than that to me is that we can both describe and identify that exact same feeling, right? When them endorphins hit and it's like, wow, this is incredible. It's like a drug. So we can describe, we could write that down and put that into words, right? We both know how amazing it feels. But the interesting part to me is that there's still on most mornings, the thought of not wanting to do it overrides that. Yeah. Isn't that crazy, man? Yeah. It's like, I know that I'm going to feel incredible, but your thoughts of like your mind 
like erring for less and wanting you not to do that hard thing is like sometimes more powerful than than the amazing feeling that you know you're going to acquire. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just wild. really interesting. Yeah. Because uh, like after when you get that feeling in, like I can't believe I was not going to do this. <laughs> totally. Uh, but only to find yourself the next morning like contemplating whether you do or not. So why is the brain like that? Like what's it actually doing? I think our our whole, like our mind is like, it doesn't want the stress so much. I feel like it errs on the side of less because when your heart rate's resting, it know, your body knows you know how to manage that. It knows what to do. It knows how much food it needs. It knows how much oxygen it needs. Uh, I think it's like when you put your body under that sort of stress and you get them fight or flight feelings and them endorphins rushing. Yeah, I don't know if the body knows how to process that so much. Um, yeah, that's really interesting that you say it like that actually. Huberman was talking about exercise the other day and he was saying if you looked at someone's physiology you know, their heart rate, their breath rate, um, what their endocrine system's doing at a point during an intense workout, but you didn't know they were working out, you'd think they're about to die. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like if, if you yeah. think about it like that, like in a snapshot, the body doesn't actually know what it, it, it might be dying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then it's only, you know, you stop your workout and your body gets it yeah. all back together again. Because you and me, if we're out there doing a workout, like you and I both know that we're going to catch up for coffee after this and go grab something to eat. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, cool, let's go hard. And like, we're going to go and, you know, get all these, we're going to have a nice coffee and like get to chill out. Yeah. But yeah, your body's like, what the fuck's going on, yeah. man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, like, I think it's trying to like, like rest, 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 yeah. rest, rest. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I, was, I just um, was doing a course and, and, and part of it was, we're calling it 56 strong. So it was every day, it was like 20 minutes breath work, cold shower, um, some form of exercise, a couple other things. And, Man, the breath work, like I'd never been a consistent breath work person. Yeah. Man, it was so fucking good. Yeah. It was amazing. Like it was 20 minutes, three breath holds. The last one was like really intense. How just, long did your breath hold for? The oh, I never timed it. Yeah. yeah I yeah. never timed it because the last one, you'd exhale completely and you'd hold down there and then you would do one big inhale and yeah. hold up the top. Yeah. And then um, you'd just go for as long as you could. Yeah. So it would have been a few minutes. Yeah. And- Man, you feel good. And like the space that you have in your mind and your heart and everything, amazing. And yet every morning I'm like, man, I don't want to do that breath work. So uh, I love that you brought this up because like I've done three purposeful breath work things, like breath holds and gone through it three times. It was an 11-minute Wim Hof one. And it was just a YouTube one. And I had the same experience as you. I was like, this is incredible. I was actually really amazed with how up on that third breath hold, how long I could hold my breath for. So the, the thing that interests me about that, right, is that, so this is where I start to, I like to look at different words and like, and find out what they mean, right? Mm. And, and people search for ease a lot. Like, and that's like, I don't think there's any growth in ease, finding easy things, right? Yeah. Like, but also I think sometimes people get simplicity mixed up with ease. Mm. And okay, like, so what I mean is like breathing, extremely simple. We breathe every day without any thought or effort. But if you were to ask me to sit in the room and, and focus on my breath for two hours or 30 minutes even, that's exhausting. It's hard, man. So it's like breathing simple, but it's not an easy thing to do when you put effort and purpose behind it. Totally. Just like running. Running's very simple. Like we can all, most of us can run. Like it doesn't need to, like 500 meters, right? But again, that doesn't make it easy. It's just a simple thing to do. Yeah, so like the simplicity and ease is, Completely different. Same as meditation. Yeah. Meditation is like sit with yourself. Easy. <laughs> do it for 
an hour, yeah. not easy, man. Yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah, totally. So yeah. do you reckon you'll, you'll add that breath back into your routine or what's your thoughts? I, that's a good question, actually. Do you know, I think I should probably get out of my own way and, yeah. and do it. Yeah. Because, man, when I was doing it consistently for days and days at a time, you know, I think there was one point I maybe did like two weeks in a row. Yeah. Big deal, not 202 yeah. days of half yeah. marathons. But it's still good, right? Yeah. And after about a week, I was like, oh, I get this now. Yeah. And yet still every morning I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. There's just that resistance. I th- and especially the first like few minutes to work. Similar to, it's, it's <sighs> same as what we're talking about with the run. Yeah. Like you don't, you know that you're going to feel good, but it's not, the feeling of amazement isn't strong enough to pull you through. Yeah. Yeah. I still find getting up and going for a run easier though for some yeah. reason. But um, the the breath work's awesome, man. But yeah. it's, it's that exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite And simple. I think too, it's like, um, I think it's just trying to find like where it fits into your routine. Mm. And it could be like, rather than waiting for the sauna to be at 65 before you get in, mm. maybe you get in when you turn it on. Mm. Okay. And you, and you do breath work for 15 minutes while it warms up. Yeah. You know, like I think once you find that, that pattern or that routine, I think it's, yeah, I think it'll be high yielding thereafter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or it's like, for me, it's exactly that finding where I can put it in. Yeah. You know, usually I'm warming my sauna up whilst I'm exercising. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I so that 50, what was it? 56 strong. Is that 56 days of that? Yeah. Yeah. It was a hundred push-ups as well. And yeah. Journaling and a few other things. Yeah. yeah. Similar to like the, have you heard of 75 hard Andy Frisella? No, but it sounds similar. <laughs> Very similar. Read 10 pages of book to do two, yeah. 45 minutes, no alcohol. Yes. Stick to a diet. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Give up a, uh, a vice, all this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's Same cool. thing. Yeah. And yeah. um, yeah, very high yielding. And I like them ones that, like similar to 75 hard in the way that let's like stick to a diet. Yeah. It's so like, what does that mean? Like, and, but the reason why I love that is that deep down, we know what we should be eating for the most part, right? Mm. If you know that you shouldn't be eating ice cream and you say that that's a part of your diet, you're cheating on yourself. Yeah. Self-accountability. This is one thing that I'm learning more recently, man, is that self-accountability is like a superpower. I think it's a lot simpler to be accountable when other people ex- have expectations on you, whether it might be your team or your parents or your wife or husband. But like holding yourself at a certain standard is like a pretty gangster move. Do you know Self- what it is? It's it's integrity with yourself. Yeah. You know, like what are the things I need to do yeah. for me yeah. that make me in integrity with myself? Yeah. And what are the things that if I do do, I know I'm out of integrity with myself. Yeah. And knowing that, and then acting on those things, yeah, that's a fucking superpower. Yeah, and you said it before, you know, like as you started running more, things just started to flow, things yeah. started to happen th- because you're in integrity with yourself. Yeah, so like, I'm gonna run half marathon for seven days. Great, yeah. I'm gonna keep going. Great, and yeah. you're just doing it. Yeah, no questions, just no, getting it done. Non-negotiable, you know. And yeah, you put yourself in a position of growth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then just continually show up. Yeah, because I think the universe identifies with that. Yeah, I really yeah, do. I and totally it's like, agree. People say like, like, oh, this is lucky or this is like Alex is lucky he found himself here. It's like if you don't put yourself in a position for that to even happen, for example, like I stopped drinking two years ago mm. um, and I was like a big drinker, okay? Like I, was, I spent 12 years in a coal mine, which is like that's all they do there. Like yeah. it's that environment. It's a very toxic environment, very – like I was a, a big drinker. And then once I got out of that environment and then I – I was like, oh, hang on. Like, I'm not that person. I knew I wasn't that person, but I'm really not that person anymore. I'm not that, I lost that identity. And then I could really be who I was. And then by me not drinking, going against the grain of what society does, especially us in Australia, like we're young males, like a lot of our peers, if you're in them circles, will drink alcohol. And it's like all the things that are happening 
in my life right now are off the back of like decisions like that by me not drinking, having conversations with another non-drinker like you about something meaningful, about thoughts and feelings, about kids, about what, like that's putting yourself in a position of growth. The universe identifies that and it makes sense that you get served up, you know, other opportunities that'll help build on top of that. Totally, man. Yeah. I wrote about it in my book. I said like, from my experience, I don't know how else to explain it other than like the more you prioritize your health and yourself, the universe just seems to know that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I seem to earn more money. I seem yeah. to have deeper connection with friends, you know, yeah. like things just opened up. Yeah. The more that I, I did that. And then like we get put in front of each other. Yeah. You know, which creates other conversations, which then turns into business relationships. Totally. You know, it's like, have you read the book Outliers? No, I haven't heard of it. It's a really cool book. And, and a lot of it's like about, the book is about like it highlights the outliers, like the Steve Jobs, like the Bill Gates and, and, but it goes a little bit deeper too. You start talking about hockey players and and like these guys that are on the tip of their spear. And it's like the society will just pinpoint that they're an outlier and, you know, that Steve Jobs <laughs> is Steve Jobs yeah. because, you know, he's a very unique and interesting person. But when uh, Malcolm, I forget his last name, but very popular book, but he sort of re- he dived into it from a science level. He's like, he started looking at the NHL, right, the hockey and it's like all these guys at the tip of the spear in the NHL were all born in January or February. Hmm. So then he's trying to understand why that is. And it's like at the mini level, at the junior level, the cutoff is in December. So it's like these guys are getting exposed to rep teams at an earlier age than the other guys. Yeah. So they get more time under reps. They get more exposure. They get more practice. And then they become better, faster. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look at the guys like the Jobs, like the Gates, like all these guys, like they were all born in like 1955 or 1954. It's like at the tip of that spear when the industries were changing, mm. Bill Gates had exposure to computers when no one had exposure to computers. Yeah. Like he had access, unlimited access to a computer that you could self-code where guys in universities that were computer teachers didn't have. Yeah. So it's like these guys were outliers, but it was more situationally. Yeah. It wasn't so much that they were a super unique person. Mm. You know? There's an element of that, mm. but it's more situational. Mm. And I think it's like what we're talking about, right? It's like putting yourself in a certain situation that allows these positive things to happen. Yeah, man, totally. And being in the right position at the right time but yeah. then actually just like putting the work in. Yeah. You know what I mean? I remember the day that I actually stopped drinking, right? And it's when I was in the coal mine and I, I read um, David Goggins' book and he used to say all the time, it's like be uncommon amongst uncommon people, okay? And I never understood that. Like I could understand the concept of like what he was trying to say, but it, it didn't really have any meaning to me. And I used to think of it all the time. I was like, well, I don't really understand what it means, but like I, I was always trying to understand it. And then it sort of clicked to me. It was the reason I didn't make sense to me was because I was only surrounded by common people. So there was never an opportunity for me to be uncommon amongst uncommon yeah. because my whole environment is normal, common people. And then I found myself in a business group in Sydney, which again, I joined that group to expose myself to people that weren't in my area. Like I live in a small town with 40,000 people that are mostly fucking coal miners. Yeah. So I was like, let's take me to the city. Let's, I want to go to these guys and rub shoulders with people that are, you know, running $100 million companies. Yeah. And yeah. I went there on my first night. And it was fucking hit me like a lightning bolt, dude. I'm like, all these guys are here drinking. They're all drinking. That's a part of their social interaction with each other. And it was like, I was like, wow, this is it. This is my environment. I now get to choose to be uncommon amongst uncommon people. Yeah. All these guys are outliers. These are all like studs in their own fields. 
uncommon. Yeah. So it's like I get to be uncommon amongst them. I was the only guy that didn't drink. So now that was the last beer I had. And now it's, I'm very content with the decision. Like I don't imagine a time that I'd ever drink alcohol again because yeah. like my life is way better without it. Like everything happens like so, so positive now. Totally. Again, I'm not saying that everyone shouldn't drink, but I know I shouldn't drink. I'm a much better person without it. I make way more money. I'm a way better husband. I'm a way better father. I'm a way better brother. I'm a way better friend. And you're waking up at 3.30 with a bit of energy. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And again, like, dude, it's impossible to have a bad day when you wake up at 3.30 in the morning and go and do something that no one else will do. Yeah. Fucking impossible, dude. That's so true. You know, like I've spent two hours under stress, you know, thinking about like my business or my family, how can I improve this or whatever it might be. It's impossible not to win over a long time frame, like a long time horizon. If you just continue to compound that. You just you just feel ahead. Yeah. You know in control. I mean? Yeah. In control. Yeah. I loved your awareness before on like the times throughout the day where you're in control and yeah. the times throughout the day when you're not yeah. in control as much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it pivots, right? It's like when who has priority. It's yeah. Like this is my window of time. Yeah. And again, like I think like it might be a tricky I remember when during COVID dude, I was working from home, which is a pretty challenging thing to do as anyone, right? But there's no disconnect. Like my kids didn't know if I was at work and yes. or if I'm at home. Like they can see me. They're like, hey, dad, you're there. Like why can't you talk to me now? So yeah. My wife's like, he's always on the phone. Like there's a, a negative thing, right? Yeah. So it's like being able to have barriers and say, hey, look, like during this window of time, it's this is me. I don't take calls. You're not going to get me. Like this is my time. And I think like a lot of people take pride in like running around like a madman. You know, or like, oh, this person needs me, that person needs me. Yeah. You know, and even the comment that you made before is like the comment about like, I'm not sure if that business deal is happening or not because your team's looking after that. Like that might just roll off the shoulder of a lot of people. Mm. But for me, like grabs me because I'm like, that's really cool because you spent, you know, half the day with your family traveling down to see your other family and everything's still going. Yeah. You know, like it's not a cool thing to be like fucking super busy and yeah, running totally. around like a madman. Totally. Even tradesmen are a perfect example of that, right? It's like you talk to a tradesman and I have a lot of friends that are tradesmen. They're like, oh, how are you, mate? You've been busy? Like things good? You're like, yeah, man, I'm booked out for like a year and a half. Yeah. I'm like, dude, that's broken. That's not <laughs> cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Like there's something's wrong. Like yeah. you're either you're way too cheap or you can't scale to, you know, to put more people on to get the jobs done faster. I heard a good one yesterday. He Someone asked the audience, he said, how long could you leave your business and it still run? People were saying like one week, a month, whatever. And he said, if you can't leave your business for longer than, you know, a month. Yeah. He's like, I'm sorry to say, but you don't have a business. Yeah. You have a job. job. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like so true. Yeah, it's a job. You're self-employed. Yeah. You know, like you work for yourself, sure. But like that's a job. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's, a, it's really hard for a lot of people to get out of their own way because they like being that person. Like they want to be that person that they call and solve the problem. Because solving problems are fun. We already yeah. identified that. Yeah. But it's like allow your team to get that. Yeah. You know? That's um, my challenge sometimes still. Yeah. You know, I have an amazing team, yeah. you know, as you just kind of yeah. talk to. and But sometimes I catch myself like about to get in on something. Yeah. And I'm like – no. Yeah. Because <laughs> I want to. Yeah. But it's like, no, I, I and, can't. And the thing is as well, like they're likely, like say it might be a, a newer team member. Well, like ultimately every, like you have the most experience in the business, right? Yeah. Like, so it's like the, anyone that comes junior to you, you, you've likely seen that problem or that before. So it's yeah. either you could jump in and fix it. Yeah. But then ultimately 
as you know, it's like well, they're not going to learn from that and then they're just going to rely on you doing it next time as well. Yeah. And for sure they will make mistakes and they will cost you money. Um, they will cost you jobs. But if you can have control and freedom in your life, because that's the thing that excites me about businessmen, is like removing your earning ceiling, number one, okay? Yeah. Being rewarded with your effort, number two. So it's like if you're an employee, you, you earn the agreed amount of money, right? It's compensation for time. You agree with your employer that you'll arrive at 8.30 and you'll leave at 4.30. You'll have a one-hour lunch break at this agreed time and you'll get this agreed amount of money. And then that's not super fun like to me. Like it's super fun to some people and they might like that structure. Um, but for me, man, I don't want an earning ceiling and I want to have control and freedom of what my day looks like and what we do. And I think that's probably one of the funnest things about business, being able to do what you want and wish. Man, it's, um, it's control. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, and it's, it's opportunity. Yeah. You can create whatever you want to create. You can go wherever you want to go. Yeah. Do the things you want to do. Yeah. You know, if I told myself four years ago, hey, Alex, one day you're going to fly to Newcastle just to record a podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have been like, no, you're not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but I love this stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you can make that possible if you want to. Correct. You know, that's the beauty of it. It can create anything that you want. 100% life, dude. You know? I say to my, one last thing I'll say there is whenever someone starts with us, I say to them, like one of the most important values to me is like you being a leader in your own life. Yeah. So if one day you ring me up or you ring up whoever your team leader is and you say, hey, I'm done because I, I want to go and start this or I want to yeah. go and do that. I will shake your hands yeah. and help you in whatever way that I can. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that is what it's about. Yeah. Like go and do your thing, find your passion, follow it, go for it. Yeah. Know, see what happens. It's huge. Yeah. And I think too, like um, what happens more often than not in that environment, when they know that they have that support, they're like, in a lot of cases, man, they stick around, mm. you know, because if you find or identify that really ambitious person or maybe they come to you and say, look, like I really do love this job and I love this industry. I'm going to go and start my own sauna manufacturing company. Okay, you do two things. You wish them luck um, and they go and do that. Or you say, look, like we're about to go into the US. Hmm. Like I need someone over there to represent our business. Rather than starting from scratch, is that something that you would be interested in? And now all of a sudden you have the person that you, you know, give some sort of equity share to and they go run it in the US. Like that's huge, man. Being able to find amazing people and create purpose for them. Because I look at business like a, so I had a cleaning business before, right? And it's like the most unsexiest business, okay? But <laughs> like it's like- rowing a half marathon in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, like having, like have, I had 50 staff in that business, okay? Like being able to try to attract talent to start with. Because no one races to a barbecue and wants to brag about, you know, they work for a yes. cleaner, blah, blah, blah. So it was like, for me, what do I got to do? How do I find amazing cleaners? So I was like, I want to create an environment and platform for these guys to work in that they've never had before. I want to be super flexible. They can drop their kids off. They can pick them up. They can go to dance. They can drop them to gymnastics. You can't work Wednesdays, all good, whatever. I'll find someone to work on Wednesday if you can't do that. I'll find someone to work after 4.30 if you can't do that. And then what happened, man, was like, I was starting to have these people that come to me that were leaving like sexy jobs, like from cellar doors and, you know, there are receptionists here or there, like, and they would come and work for me because they wanted the environment. They wanted the conditions that come along with it. They didn't care about the tagline. They wanted to work with someone that supported them, valued them and gave them an environment that worked with their family. And I think that a business is a platform for other people to use to make money, you know? And I think more, so too often 
people, especially in small business, there is no give, there's no flexibility. It's like, hey, I need someone to work nine to five. If it's not you, ta-ta, I'll find the next person. And then like, it's just a really fucking gross environment um, as opposed to the other thing. Everyone wants to be there. Everyone's having fun and it's flexible. It's been, it's sticky. Like I wasn't paying these girls any more than anyone was paying them the award, right? But they know that if they do a good job here, they're going to continue getting hours and they can do like, what's it worth to you dropping your kids off and picking them up? Yeah. That's something. Totally. Like it's worth a lot. And it's culture, man. Yeah. Like the culture's got to be there. Yeah. Sti- I like that. Sticky. Yeah. yeah. Sticky. Yeah. People yeah. want to come back. And I think too, like, um, again, like from coal mining, like working in, in that environment where you're working 12 and a half hour shifts, day shift, night shifts, weekends, public holidays, like you're a robot out there, dude. And like having experienced that and knowing that that's not what I wanted to do, I think it helps me be a better leader now because I have a reference point. Um, I have a reference point of, because again, you talk about sticky, that's a fucking sticky job, dude. Mm. You're getting paid 150 grand a year plus super. You know, on paper, it looks like you're working three and a half days a week. Yeah. Like it looks amazing. But like that's 150 grand of compensation. You're going <laughs> to agree to like, again, drop. It's not a thing. You can't drop and pick your kids up. You can't go to the assembly if you're rostered on. You, if you rostered on Easter Sunday, you work on Easter Sunday. Yeah. So there is no give there. Um, but more often than not, people just comply because, you know, they're getting two grand in the hand a week, which is meaningful money. Yeah. Um, and they don't have to think for it. Mm. So, mm. yeah. But again, even when I got out of that culture, um, even when I did do it, right, like I had four kids three mortgages, like I had businesses, like it was probably the worst, like from a risk point of view, mm. it's like, this is the last time you leave employment, <laughs> yes. right? Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But for whatever reason, I was like, this is the time that I start to back myself. Yeah. Um, and dude, it was huge. Simple because, as that. Huh? Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, it was like, it was about just trying to identify because deep down I knew that I was destined for more, but I was, my actions never match my words because I would say that I was going to do this and I was going to do that and I'd talk to my brother about it we go to barbecues and it was like oh let's do this let's do that and we'd share all these business ideas but we'd never pull the trigger on it right that's like that the ice bath thing like I was that person I was a person that had all these ideas that never put effort or, or intent or action behind it and then when I started to do it I started I was like wow this is I can be that person I can do that I can be, be this business builder and then once you have that confidence and you, it's like a fucking secret power it's like wow I know how to build teams I know how to offer a service or sell a product and I can do that for like a meaningful amount of money and make a margin on it and whilst having control and freedom on my time. Mm. You know, and what, having you, a good time. Yeah, and you learn, if you learn how to do them things, dude, it's a fucking dangerous combination. And then, then you surround yourself with like-minded people that share similar values. It's game over. Like what, how, that's the most amazing life in the, ever. Like <laughs> that's an amazing life, being able to do that. It's huge. Are you going to be in Cessnock forever? Um... I don't think so. I actually see myself doing like three month stints, like in different countries. So we do a, we have a team in the Philippines um, and Zach and I went there last year, just us when it was amazing. We talked like, again, talking about environment, like through these guys, like the biggest party ever. And we had a great <laughs> time, right? Um, this year I'm going to take my family over, which is in a couple of months. And um, I, I see, you know, us doing three months in Philippines. I see myself doing three months in France, doing three months in Germany or the US. Like I can imagine that. Um, that's fun. I think so. Yeah, I think that's fun. And and I can run my businesses from wherever, right? Um, we run them in a tiny little shed in Cessna at the moment. <laughs> um, so I can do it in France or wherever. Like, And I think too, like 
have been able to expose my children to that. It changes their perception of like what is attainable and what, what they can do in the world, which I think is hugely important. Totally. Because that it? wasn't me, right? Mm. wasn't me. Mm. Yeah, being able to give them that exposure. I think even just the Philippines trip, right? Like they're going to see things that they've never seen before, which will make them more grateful. And yeah, I think just them learnings, them real life learnings is like incredibly powerful. Pretty much every time I travel, I come back to Australia and I think, man, we got it good here. So good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but isn't it strange? Like, why do you think over time we forget that? Like we could <sighs> become complacent. Question. I think it's the nature of the mind. Like the, the mind's going to find problems with things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Regardless of where you're at. Yeah. Man, sometimes I think about the problems that I have and I'm like, dude. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. But that's the nature of the mind. Like yeah. it's just, just going to find something. It's going to try and improve something. Yeah. And to improve something suggests that it has not some a problem with it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Or, or it, there's something that could be more. Yeah. It's just my experience anyway. There's like a death, right? Like you go to a funeral or someone close to you dies. It's a very, it's like, wow. Like it puts a lot of things in perspective. You're like, yeah. Yeah, no, like life is super short, like which we know it is now, but it's like very confront. Like someone close to you dies, it's like it's in your face. And then like for a few days after, you're very mellow and very content and like yeah. you're not going to get upset about anything. And But over time, you forget about that. And then it's like, you you know, you're upset about this. And So do you keep trying to put yourself into positions to I remind do. yourself of it? Yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm. I try to put myself in them positions because I think it's important that I'm not sure if you saw my story the other day, but there was a chair at Fingal Bay. It's like donated by this fucking, like this, the guy must have sat there and his family donated for this chair on the on the ocean. Okay. And he was 64 years old. His name's Steve. Just Wait, a, a chair? Like on- a, just a chair, like a park chair. Yeah. Park bench. In the but water? No, no, no. Like on top of the hill, looking oh, over the water. I understand. Got yeah, it. sorry. And um, a beautiful beach at Fingal Bay. There's a park chair there and it's got like Steve's plaque on it. Like he okay. must have sat there. Okay. And on the plaque, it's a quote and it, and in the quote it said, if only I had time. And it was like, that's the most fucking powerful thing ever. But it's like, why is it so powerful? Like I've heard that said before, but it's powerful because it's coming from a dead person. Mm. If you tell me, it's like, oh, mate, if only I had time. Like, well, fuck Alex, you kind of do. We both do. So it's all good. But again, because we have time, we expect that we're going to have time tomorrow, but we might not have time tomorrow. And my new mate, Steve, died at 64 years old. I'm not sure how. Um but like that was obviously something that you know he wanted. Maybe he died of cancer and he had an opportunity to tell his family that he, if only he had time. But the thing is, man, if we all listen in this podcast right now, we do have time, but we're not fucking acting on it more often than not. So it's like um, my mom, my, and this helps me sort of be a little bit aware of it as well. But when I was two years old, my brother was three months old. Our mom died of a master attack. She was 22 years old. So like, when you lose someone like that at such a young age, it puts everything into perspective, right? It's like, wow, like she was a very young lady that died with two kids, mm. a two-year-old and a three-year-old, mm. put a lot of pressure on my father, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing about that, right, what I realized from that experience, even like through my teens, early 20s, it was like, a, like I fucking grieved in like a really negative way, drugs, alcohol, I was like, fuck the world, what would happen to me? It's not fair. I don't know what it feels like to be loved by a mother. Like I missed out on that, right? I felt like it was all taken away from me. But what I realized was that, and this again, it wasn't until I had kids, but I was like, if my mum didn't die then, then I would not have went down the path that I went down and met my wife. And if I didn't meet my wife, then the four kids that I have right now wouldn't exist 
just like your fucking ice bath wouldn't exist. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. so like through that tragedy, there was beauty that led to like my four amazing kids and a relationship that I have with my wife, which then ultimately led me to you. And then we had a meaningful conversation and now we're sitting down talking about that. It's like, if my mum didn't die then, then all these other things would have happened. It's that butterfly effect, right? It's like, but I think, um, dude, like it took me a long time to try to understand that and realize, and it wasn't until I had kids that would do it, but it's like, we get caught up in these tragedies and we zoom so far into them that we don't identify that there's some sort of beauty here. There totally. is a lesson here. Yeah. We just got to be aware of it. And on a long enough time horizon, it's going to be okay and there's going to be something that's going to be really positive that comes out of it. Man, everything's a gift if we choose to see it. 100%. You know? And sometimes it's not clear at the time. Correct. More often than not, it's not. No. Yeah. Kristen's dad died last year, the yeah. day after I proposed to her. Wow. And it was like, oh, yeah. it was huge. Yeah. You know, like the way it happened was he was in Melbourne. Um, I'd actually flown her mum and her sister up um, to organize a surprise once I proposed to Kristen. Yeah. We came back and friends and family were there, yeah. all the women in her life. Yeah. And her dad was going to come up too, but the night before they flew, he had a thing with, a, with his heart. He was okay. He went to hospital. Because of COVID, they couldn't get in to see him anywhere. And they said, look, we can't go in and see him. So her mom and her sister still came up, right? They came up. I proposed, came back. Amazing. That night we go to bed. All the family's in Queensland. He's back in Melbourne. We get woken up by someone banging on our door, uh, on our window. And I go out and I look down because we were kind of up and there's a fucking policeman down there and there's a granny flat underneath where someone was living. I was like, oh, maybe, um, maybe it'll be trouble down there, whatever. So I go out on the balcony. I was like, hey, dude, how's it going? How can I help? He's like, I was just wondering if Chris and Edwards was home. I was like, whoa, wow. what the fuck? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. I'll go get her. Come around the front and come on in. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> oh, has she been caught like not wearing a mask in a shop or something? <laughs> you know? And he, anyway, he comes in and he goes, um, Kristen, I think you should sit down. I've Whoa. got something to tell you. And we're like, what's going on? And he's like, i got to read you a death notice for Ian Frederick Edwards. And we're just like, man, like I get goosebumps talking about it now. I felt sick. I had to go and lie down. It was just the biggest shock. Wow. You know, he was not supposed to die. You wow. know what I mean? And how did he die? Heart attack. No, they put a stent in and the stent failed. So I guess you could say it was a heart attack. Um, so, wow. yeah, they discharged him too early. And wow. How old was he? 62. Young, dude. Yeah. yeah. So young. But to your point, you know, like that happened. It was so heavy. It was, yeah, a real challenge. We went back to Melbourne for a few weeks. It was really hard. And then, you know, a couple. Four weeks, maybe six weeks after that, we found out Kristen was pregnant. Yeah. And then we moved into a 30-acre property. Yeah. It was like all this big change. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. one of the many beautiful things that came out of that was Ian died and, and my dad is in a home. He has Alzheimer's, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden I'm the only male in two yeah. families. I live on 30 acres and I've got a baby coming. Yeah. And man, like what that drove me to do in my business and in my personal life and my like embodying my masculinity and yeah. being the male and the family and all this responsibility and everything. It was incredible. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I miss him so much. And yet there's so much that came out of that, yeah. you know, to your point. Like, yeah. And at the time I was like, what, like, how has this happened? Yeah. You how know? am I going to navigate it? Nothing's ever going to be the same. No, yeah. exactly. And in many ways, some things won't be yeah, the same. Correct. Uh, but yeah. that's life. Yeah. You know, and, and man, the whole of last year from that day was just so humbling. Yeah. And it was, so good. Like, yeah. I'm so glad about that. You know, like last year was such a huge year for both Kristen and I. Yeah. And 
there's beauty in all of this, 100%, dude. you know, bad stuff when yeah. it happens. In all tragedy, right? The, yeah. I think you nailed it before. It's like it, there's beauty in everything if we choose it to be. It's a perception. It's like what is hot, what is cold, what is long, what is short, what is a lot, what is a little. It's like we won't agree on all the things, but that's okay because my lot might not be a lot to you. What's cold to me might, but again, if we don't have hot, we don't know what cold is. Mm. So if we don't have tragedy, we don't know what beauty is. Totally. If we don't have a rainy day, well, how can we be grateful for a really sunny day? It's the human experience. Yeah. You know, I mean, to be able to, how cool is it that we can experience those depths of sorrow? Yeah. You know, and like, and how that feels. Yeah. Like it's kind of incredible. Yeah. Really. It's a gift. Yeah. What would you rather, right? Would you rather live and experience that or not experience it at all and <laughs> yeah. not live? Yeah. Like it, yeah. it's a, part of life and it's a really important part of life and I think the more we're conscious of that the more fulfilled our life will be because I'm very aware that even on my running track right I used to run past the cemetery and every now and then like well, most times I would just look at it and it was like that. that's where that's the end that's the finish line that's where we all end up um, some of us sooner than others but like we all die and I think there's a lot of people that will push that down the road because they're like I don't want to think of that it's like well like I think that hurts you more often than not because, you, you, again, just for me, being conscious of it helps me live a more fulfilling life mm. and have a bigger impact on other people too. You know what the Dalai Lama says about death? He says like actually sit with it, really like meditate yeah. on the fact that you're going to die yeah. and what that will feel like yeah. so, because it will make you accept it much sooner. Yeah. You know, and I think there's so much beauty in that. Yeah. What do you think? Again, may, maybe it's just because of the circles that I'm in now, but I feel like it's not. I feel like there's a, a larger movement than this. But why do you think young men are being having more confidence or being willing to open and talk about thoughts and feelings and ideas? Interesting. Yeah, good question. I think- Do you that, notice it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's like a a global consciousness, if you will, you know, whereby these things are kind of, because more people are talking about it by nature than more and more people talk about it. Yeah. I think also it's a generational thing. Yeah. You know, I'm reading this few great books at the moment and doing a lot of men's work and, you know, that you can kind of see like in the 60s and the 70s, like what was happening with men, like all of a sudden they weren't working out on the farms, they were yeah. working in offices, you know, so then their children didn't understand what their dads were doing and 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 then so the, the kids were being raised by their mums yeah. the majority of the time, then their kids were going to school, which 97% of teachers are women as well. So there were all these boys that were raised by women over the last few generations. And I think now it's gotten to the point where, you know, there was a, a lot of toxic masculinity was coming out and it was really shown as like, I guess the the downside or the bad side of being a man and everything yeah. like that. And then I think we're starting to be on the other side of that now, whereby it's like, no, men are actually beautiful when yeah. they're fully in their power, yeah. you know, and that king energy, that magician energy. Yeah. And I, th I just think we're on the other side of that and we're starting to see, well, actually, no, we have to unite as men and we have to be able to open ourselves up and open our hearts and, and talk and share and just really experience what's going on with other yeah. men you know because the generations before that that didn't happen yeah it was actually like it was looked at like a weakness right especially yeah. if you express yourself to another man it's like hey like i feel about i feel this yeah or like like it would be looked at like a weakness yeah and you wouldn't and so that would just you'd be muted mm. yeah and i just i think that's changing now and i think that's an amazing thing 
Huge. You know, and yeah. there's there's such a big need for it. Yeah. You know, man, like because you can still be a very masculine man, still be an alpha male, yeah. and still be very conscious of like who you are as a person and the impact that you're having on others. Absolutely. Yeah. And I actually think that is one of the most wonderful things to experience. And I think it's one, like, I think it's a highly attractive thing to a woman yeah. as well, right? A man that is in control of his time, in control of his vices, feelings, that can express himself, that can make money, raise kids, be a role model. It's a fucking ultimate man. Totally. Yeah. And again, same, that's the same thing that I'm attracted to, right? Like a woman that can, you know, be confident and raise a family and um, be loving and caring and share their thoughts and feelings. Again, some women want to be career driven. Some women want to be mums. Mm. Both of them are perfectly fine. But again, I think there's a couple of key things in there. It's like having control of your thoughts and feelings. So it's like um, having control of alcohol consumption, having control of, you know, eating food that isn't going to you know, help you be a better person. Like mm. if you can control them things, then you control a lot of other areas in your life. Mm. Yeah. And just having the discipline around those things, discipline yeah. around sleep routines, any of that sort of yeah. stuff. Discipline about the awareness you have when you're actually around your children and yeah. how they're just going to watch you the whole time and they're yeah. going to model you. And yeah. <laughs> just funny. Stuff. I, um, like with that, like I, it's, and I'm super confident you'll be very much like this as well, just by knowing what I know. But it's like, I'll sit in a cafe and like, we'll have morning tea or lunch or something like that with my family. And like the amount of people, like early people, mostly like they'll come up and they'll pull us aside and say, look, I, like I'll congratulate you on like none of your kids have devices. They're just yeah. sitting there quietly. Yeah, and it's like we don't see this at all in cafes anymore or restaurants. It's yeah. like they go out of their way to express mm. that they notice it, and mm. it's the most amazing feeling. Mm. So like when they notice that you know we work hard because it's easy, right? Like you throw an iPad or a phone in front of your kid to keep yeah. quiet in a restaurant. Yeah, like a lot of it is the parents think that they're doing it on behalf of everyone else or the other patrons. Yeah, but it's like I said before, you do it once. Kids are smart; they know that you'll do it next time too. Mm. Um, mm. But it's like it's. it's yeah, super interesting to see when you're talking about discipline and kids and stuff like that. When when you have um, rules or values in your family and you project them out into an environment like that, it's mm. really cool that you can sit down with a family of four kids mm. and they'll sit there patiently and wait for their lunch or something mm. like that. Mm, um, totally. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Man, we had a probably a, a whole other topic, which I, I don't want to go into right now, but Sol was born at home, Yeah. right, into my hands. Yeah. No vaccinations, yep. no one around, nothing, yep. just us. Yeah birthing a baby as yeah. intended, right? Yeah. And man, within a couple of weeks, he was smiling. He was looking around. And to us, we're like, well, yeah, of course. Normal, right? Because yeah. you've got nothing to anchor it to. Exactly. Yeah. And then people would come in and they say, oh my God, is he, he's smiling already. Yeah. Like what I did this afternoon. Yeah, right? Yeah. Right? And is he smile? Oh, he's so aware. Yeah. And we're just like, well. Isn't that normal? Yeah. yeah that isn't, normal? This, isn't this what babies are like? You know what I mean? And it's that it, it was it's that a similar kind of thing, you know. And even people say, "Oh, he's re he's really calm, you know, and he doesn't make much noise or whatever." And it's like we're just, yeah, you know, he's been brought up in our environment, yeah, you know, and he'll be a product of that, correct? You know? And he'll also have all of the flaws that his dad does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you but know? Also, that's why he's a big, healthy boy right now, too, right? Yeah, you know, like that. It's all off the back of of them things. Yeah, and it's actually funny because I remember, like, you would have had it happen to you a thousand times, but it stuck out to me. Maybe not you, but like it's just a normal thing to ask a preg, like especially when she was heavily pregnant. It's like, like how far are you? Yes. Okay. And there was like there was hesitation in your voice when you told me or when you's both there, but you're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. And to me, like I, I'm like I'm aware enough to identify that like that's a it's a value of you guys, and I knew that that's like a similar 
what you are doing, right? But I imagine a lot of people wouldn't understand that. Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. like but why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. And then, and then the thing that because you don't do what everyone else does, and then you're going to do something bad. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to give birth to this. We're going to birth this at home. Yeah. Well, you can't do that. Yeah. Because it's What unhealthy. happens if something goes wrong? Yeah. 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 <laughs> that is wild. Um, and I think to us, it's, it's like society, like just so stuck in like what is normal, what is. But again, it's a little bit like what we're talking about Tia at the start, right? She's the tip of the spear. Yeah. She's doing things that other people aren't doing. So yeah. it wouldn't make sense that other people would, would understand. understand it. Exactly. Totally. I so love like, that. Yeah. yeah. Same as you guys. It's like, like, I don't want you to like think that we're doing the right thing. Like, I don't even want you to understand what we're doing. because, And I don't expect you to because we're in the fucking two different worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so like, let us be us and you go do you. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think spot it's, on, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you can apply that anywhere and everywhere. Life. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually funny because I saw a thing I put in my story this morning. Right, it's like for the most part, people don't like themselves. So, like, don't get upset if they don't like you. You know, like because we're so worried about like, but what happens if this person will say that? It's like yeah. that person doesn't even fucking like themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, How are they gonna like you? Yeah, <laughs> and like you're upset because they didn't fucking like you. <laughs> yeah, that makes no sense, right? Yeah, totally. So yeah. it's like, yeah, so long as. Like our values are, are strong. We are who we are and like we're being authentic and genuine. Then, yeah, we'll make mistakes and we'll get it wrong. And But again, too, like I think it's uh, one thing that I found I stopped. Um, this is like when I stopped consuming so much. What I found was I'd have less opinions towards things. I was like, why do I have less opinions towards things? It was like something that was like worrying me a little bit because <laughs> like, I was like, I want to have these meaningful conversations around all different sorts of topics. And what I realized was that it was because I wasn't bringing in enough new information because I think it's really important that we forge opinions against all different sorts of things. Some opinions, like I'm very strongly opinionated, but not so strongly that I won't change my opinion for new information. Totally. So I was like, hey, if I think that this is the way to do it and I generally feel that um, and you bring new information, it's like, yeah, look, I can understand why you think that, but like this is why I do it that way. I'm like, oh, you know what? That makes a huge amount of sense. And then we go down that road. Mm. Um, but I think what happens in a lot of people, they say one thing and then they just lean on it forever. Mm. And even if new information comes, they're yep. not willing to change. And that takes energy. Man, I came across this recently uh, where Chris and I were vegan for years, seven or eight years or something like that in the end. And um, over the last few months, that's completely changed for yep. me. The last two weeks I've been keto, which yep. is like the complete yeah. other end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. You know, and- you can tell when I share it with people, they're like, hold on, but I identify, that was part of who yeah. you were and that was how I understand you wow. and it bothers them, Wow, you know? And it's like, I'm the same person, yeah. you know, like, but to your point, new information, That's cool, exactly, I'm going to try this It's a perfect thing. example, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. And I even realised like, I think I'm even identifying a little bit with that. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, they're, they're, I probably got to move away from that then, yeah. you know what I mean? Like if you dig your heels in. Yeah. It's like there's that attachment there. And it was similar to my run, dude. Like I identified as the guy that ran half a marathon. Yeah. Know? And it went, you got to remove that identity a little bit because I was stuck in there. Yeah. And it's like it's not super healthy if you if that starts to become negative or like your values, like you your opinions have changed and now you want to introduce meat or other mm. you know products into your life. Then because you had an idea fucking nine years ago, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and a lot of people, because it is that it's a very it's similar to CrossFit to be honest. It's like yeah. they're very it's very niche. It's very like, hey, we're fucking vegans and vegetarians, and fuck you that eat meat. Like it's it is very much like that, right? Totally. Um, so it takes someone with a lot of confidence and someone that has a lot of belief in himself to go. You know what? 
I'm going to do this now. Mm. Still come around. I'll still cook your vegetarian meals. Yeah. You're still my friend. You can come and work in the garden with me. Exactly. But I, like I'll eat that steak when you eat like whatever you want to eat. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's not so easy for people to accept sometimes. Mm. That oh, dude, of, I could see that. I could yeah. imagine it. Yeah. I'm interested to know like how does it feel? Any noticeable difference? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's different. Um, I mean, I haven't eaten this such small amount of carbs ever. Yeah. You know, and, and there was a point where I was eating only fruit. It's like yeah. as high carb as you can get. Yeah. Um, but it's different. Yeah. You can, do, I mean, I, I'm early days. It's like, it's two weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and ketogenic adaptation can take months and months, but yeah. you can already get a sense of like the clarity with the mind. Yeah. And um, I was saying to a, a, a friend actually, in some ways I find it analogous to ice bath. Yeah. Like if you want to get good at ice baths or say cold showers, you have to like, you just got to let it in. Yeah. And, and it, it's honest. Yeah. There's no, there's no fluffing about yeah. an ice bath. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you go cold, yeah. it sucks and that's it. Yeah. And it's the same thing with keto. Like you can't just like, oh, I'm just going to like eat a chocolate now yeah. and make myself feel better. It's like, yeah, no. It throws it out. It's just, that is it. And there's yeah. no up and down. It's just like consistent. Yeah. And I love that about it. Yeah. So the last two weeks have been actually fucking awesome. Yeah. And I'm hundred push-ups a day and yeah. I'm climbing and I'm mountain biking and I'm doing all you this look stuff. Good. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, have you put a bit of weight on? Yeah. 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 Like put on you, size. Yeah. 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 Just from, yeah, mountain biking and yeah. running and yeah. uh, I've been bouldering heaps. Yeah. Um, that and eating keto recently and just eating a bit more meat. It's been great. But even, uh, again, like I'm, I'm, it sticks out to me, like, I, but again, the first time that I met both you guys as well, it's like, mm. You can tell like your skin so healthy, your hair so healthy. Mm. You can tell like both are super vibrant, mm. right? And now you've got a little baby too. Like it, it adds to that. Mm. I think it's so healthy, man. It, um, when you can control your food like that, it, it projects in your daily habits. You know what? Actually going into keto, I thank you by the way. And, and, and you also look exceptional, <laughs> like you're glowing. Um, going into keto, I actually really enjoyed because it was a, it was a framework around food again and I'd actually missed that. Yeah. You know, over the last kind of six months, I was kind of like, oh, it didn't know exactly what I was doing. I was still yeah. eating really cleanly and yeah. whole foods and these kind of things, but having actually something to to work to, yeah. I've loved. Yeah. And it's that integrity piece again. Since I've been doing it like strict, if you will, yeah. I'm loving it. It's like, this is what I'm doing. What, um, what meats are you eating? Uh, so in Sunny Coast, we've got um, – uh, Yamandi meats. Yeah. Uh, they get sourced from a couple of farms. So yep. I'm having some beef, uh, sometimes with the offal. Yeah. So some heart. Yeah. Um, and some liver. Yeah. And then uh, I've just been dabbling. So I've tried some duck a couple of times. Yeah. Um, tried chicken a couple of times, but mainly I've just been having beef. Yeah. And a little bit of lamb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you heard of a company called Our Cow? No. I'll show you what it is, but like that's what I, it's like a meat subscription box. Oh, yeah. Um, dude, it's similar, like it's full traceability. You can see from yep. paddock to plate. Yeah. Like I can buy this lamb and know that it comes from this farm. Um, that's what you need. Incredible business. Yeah. They started four years ago. I actually ran into them. I talk about like fucking running into people. <laughs> I ran into them in a business group. They were coal miners in Queensland. <laughs> they started that four years ago, dude, from selling their own meat in a farming casino. Mm. They just done a second rate capital raise, wow. uh, crowdfunding, sixty million out of sixty million val, <laughs> killing it. That's serious. Yeah, they're going amazing. Two yeah. beautiful people. They're both eating keto diets right now. Right. Very passionate about food. Yeah. Very passionate about like eating good quality food. But yes, meat subscription box turns up at your door. Yeah. Every fucking whatever. Again, like hearts, livers, like yeah. amazing quality food. All the um, good stuff. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I have to check that out. Check them out. Yeah. Um, but 
it's funny that you mentioned that we were talking about Hart. Zach just bought Hart. He's I'm invested in that company actually. Okay. And we went to check out their casino factory the other day. It's incredible. He just bought Hart, mm-hmm. and we're going to start. What are you going to do with it? Barbecue it. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and deliver. I haven't tried liver, but it, it makes sense, dude. That mm-hmm. we we're talking about this this morning, right? It makes sense that the heart is incredibly nutritious. Yeah, it's the one item in the whole body. By rights, it's a fucking diamond. Like, yeah, there's not. There's only one of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you can get a like chops or whatever. There's a meaningful amount of them. Yeah, but yeah, the I think the hearts. Special. I think so. Yeah, I mean, and or, like all of the offal. Yeah, like certain um, nutritional. Makeup, if you will, yeah. That just the flesh doesn't, yeah. Um, you know. Anyway, it's something I'm only very starting to get yeah. into. The, the Super more. interesting, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's fun, and it's a credit to both of you guys to be able to stand like change that opinion. It's fucking awesome, dude. Really, really is. Yeah. Um, well, to your point, I think like I think it's being able to do that is a sign of being able to lead yourself and yeah. and, and lead others. Yeah. You know, not being just so stuck in. Have you lost paradigm. friends from it? Uh, not so far yet. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I lost friends when I went vegan and stopped drinking and stopped yeah. smoking yeah. Yeah. marijuana, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I lost a lot of friends yeah. doing that because that was the paradigm that yeah. we were in. Yeah. But that's cool. That's yeah. fine. You know, because you, then you get friends in Correct. whatever world you're in. Yeah. You, you know, you attract 100%. them. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I couldn't agree more. And I'm the exact same. Like I, you, some friends you have because you drink with them. Yeah. Like that. And when you don't drink, that then you find the other friends that you don't drink. Yeah. Now you're friends with that person. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's Got growth, it. right? I think it's just it's it's growth. Yeah. Growth and um, yeah, being in integrity, being in alignment yeah. with, with yourself. Yeah. Um, Courtney, let's wrap it up. Yes. It's been awesome. Dude. If people want to find out more about you, follow you, yeah. follow your journey, where can they find you? Um, jump on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Search Courtney Joyce. I don't even know what my handle is. But yeah, check it out show notes. Check in the show notes. Yeah. Search me Courtney Joyce. And yeah, or email me Courtney at CourtneyJoyce.com.au. But um, it's been a pleasure, dude. You're a beautiful person. I appreciate all your time. And um, yeah, I, I love creating these conversations with people like you. Right back at you, brother. Legend. Cheers, man. Cheers, bro. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes.